Hi team, it's that time again where I have a conversation with another kick-ass person in business. Now full disclaimer, this is not an inspirational business podcast, but you might be inspired. These aren't all going to be success stories, but they are all going to be real stories because I'm not here for the enlightened, fluffy, feel-good version of people's journeys. I want the nitty gritty raw versions. If you're a business owner, freelancer, entrepreneur, creator, or someone with a side hustle, I can guarantee you'll be able to relate to something in this episode because this is what it's really like to take a chance and chase a dream. Don't forget to hit subscribe and slide into my DMs on Instagram if you want to chat. I'm Sean, and this is not an inspirational business podcast. This week's episode is with Irene Becker. She is the CEO and founder of 99 Pairs. They are an award-winning Melbourne-based agency that supplies au pairs, nannies, and housekeeping services throughout Australia. We spoke about the value an au pair can bring to a family, as well as the opportunities a family can provide for them. We dove into the transition from corporate marketing to business ownership, as well as some incredible initiatives that 99 au pairs are putting into place for local young people and their international charity affiliation. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's an absolute honor to have you here. Did you want to start off just by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Of course. Well, first of all, pleasure is all mine, Sean. Thank you so much. So I'm Irene. I'm the founder and owner of 99 OPS, um, a local agency, Melbourne-based um, agency for OPS, um, many housekeeping services. We are a female-owned, female-run business. We believe in giving back to the community. So first it starts close to homes, helping local moms to you know help them with juggle because it's still mostly moms who do all of it and um, increase quality time and at the same time invest in future generations of young people and um, support charities as well. Now, how did we begin? How did we start with a business supporting mums and providing au pairs and nanny services? Oh my God, how do we start all the businesses? It's like out of sheer desperation for our own life, right? So again, it started when we, we planned our own family and realized, oh my God, childcare costs a fortune. And uh, we didn't have any family nearby. So we started hosting au pairs. So I knew of the concept from Europe. That's where I lived and studied before. And um, it started with friends of friends asking what it is, how does it work, how do I get there? And after helping hundreds of friends and friends of friends and total strangers, I eventually like, you know what, just help yourself, people. Put up a platform, Marketplace. It sounds much quicker than it actually did, just like 18 months in progress <laughs> and lots of uh, sweat and blood and um, lots of tears, even more tears. But then I found a lot of families would come to us and say, we actually don't have the time and we have no idea what to do. Can you just do it for us? And that's how the agency was born, literally just stumbling from one to the next. It's not one of those ideas where you're like, oh my God, I have this light bulb moment of something that people need. It was more like a toddler pulling at your clothes all the time. So can you just give me some attention? And it just wouldn't let go. And after a few years, it just grew and grew. And eventually I just um, called up my boss and my corporate job and said, I think I need to give it a proper go. Like if I don't try, I'll just never give it a chance to grow. And yeah, so that was in the middle of COVID, pretty silly call to do. But yeah, since then, it's been an absolute roller coaster like business is. And um, it's gone from strength to strength. What was your corporate life before this? What's your professional background? My professional background is actually marketing. 
Mm-hmm. So um, I studied originally in Germany. So I did a double degree in education and business and then decided to go into marketing because again, you know, global citizen, you want to be flexible and be able to get a job anywhere. So, and I absolutely loved it. So I was in marketing branding. I worked for um, SAP in Germany and then Kraft Heinz um, here before they merged together. And I worked for a toilet paper company during the pandemic. That was kind of funny. Lots of jokes going around there. On one hand, I absolutely loved it. I love the team I work with and love bringing new products to market, growing them from like distant number two to clear number one and managing $150 million portfolios. But at the same time, like, is it really going to change the world if I add another product to Woolies shelves? Not really. And I felt much more satisfaction helping another mom who is at a breaking point because, you know, her own mom passed away. She just had the baby. Her husband's always working, obviously providing. And she's just at a breaking point, like, like I'm ready to leave them all kind of thing, including the kids. So if I can help someone there, it's way more beneficial, right? And just having that impact gives me way more joy. And I was really keen to grow my own brand and leave a legacy behind there. That's incredible. I think, I guess coming from a marketing background, you sort of had that advantage going into starting your own business. But as we all know, there's so much more that goes into starting a business than a nice logo and pretty colors. (laughs) Not that that's all that marketing is. But what was sort of at the beginning, what were some things that really surprised you that you had to overcome in terms of challenges? I think a typical one when you start out is having to market yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, even as a marketer, we don't actually market ourselves. We market the brands, right? And getting out there and being okay with being the tall poppy and everybody knowing what you're doing. Yeah. So basically getting over yourself, right? So just stop blocking yourself and do it. And yes, yeah, sometimes you're going to get whipped over your head. Like we got picked up by Channel 7 once at the beginning of the pandemic featuring businesses that help families in lockdown. And yeah, the CEO was not very impressed of my corporate job, but you know, we got over it. He got over it. I got over it. So it was fine. Again, self-doubt is a big one and just getting out there. I think also knowing how to price your products is one thing, but actually charging that price is a completely different thing, right? All of a sudden you hear yourself say, oh yeah, but for you, it's going to be discount X. I'm like, who is this person? Just shut up. Stop sabotaging me. And I think that's the biggest one. And also the the other bit is because for me, it didn't start out as a business venture is at some point you need to cut it and treat it as a business and not as a hobby because a, a hobby can be very expensive, right? And eventually it doesn't only take time, but also money and resources. So um, again, eventually just stop at some point and say, okay, budget, budget, budget. How am I spending? What is it bringing in? Is it worth doing it? So it was also really important. Absolutely. I think so many of us at the start of our business journey struggle with that feeling of that self-doubt, but also that sort of fear of judgment from what, you know, our friends, our colleagues, our family is going to think about us taking the step into, you know, starting a business. And one of my guests said, you've got to be prepared to fail forward because, you know, you're going to make mistakes at the beginning. But I think there's a fear of judgment around that as well, just sort of with your colleagues. How was everyone at work when you said, you know what, I'm going to pack this in. I'm leaving my corporate job and I'm going full time. I never made it a secret that I'm doing it. I obviously just kept it in a box as not to advertise it in the office. It's like Mm -hmm. if someone asked me, I would tell them about it and just obviously share things. But when I called my boss, she'd be like, 
Well, I said I knew that was coming, right? Because we would talk about it um, every every couple of weeks, anyways. And uh, she was very supportive, and we were supportive of each other. I think it's really how you, tr- if you focus on relationship. I told you, like, I know I have four weeks notice, but you know, just tell me how much you need to replace me. And um, I stayed on extra three months, right? Just to again help. You know, we had a hiring freeze that didn't replace me really. But yeah, that's not the point, right? The point is you actually helped your team out. And I think that's that's what it's all about. So really just planning. But again, in saying with the self-doubt and just not knowing and failing forward, I think it's such a different kettle of fish almost doing corporate job where you have your box and you go crazy in your box and you don't overstep the line to the other department and you kind of negotiate, collaborate. Where here, you actually have to make the mistakes, right? In corporate, you always just showcase your, you know, achievements and find someone else to take the blame for everything else. In business, you are the one. You are the one, right? So if you fail it, it's on you. If you do something well, it's uh, usually your team. So, um, that's that's the biggest change and just accepting the fact that things will go wrong most of the time. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to talk about the big old COVID situation with lockdowns and things like that. How was that situation? I mean, I'm assuming most of your peers are international students or travelers or things like that. So what did that look like for you? Oh, I think probably similar to airline industries, right? You can't take your plane off the ground if no one's allowed to fly. So it was a big shock initially. And I think there were a couple of ugly cries involved. And a few crisis meetings were like, what's the point? I might as well just quit. But I think, again, once you actually go through the process, which, again, is a process, right? Every crisis in the business, as you recognize, you whinge a bit, you know, you get over it and you start getting a clear head. It's, again, we then recognize we were actually much stronger in the local market than the overseas market anyway. So we just started focusing on international students onshore. So who are already here? That's kind of a technical term there. And said, well, you all lost your jobs right there, right? The coffee shops are closed, etc." Let's help you find a family and accommodation, make sure you're financially stable. And there were quite a few who actually ended up staying in Australia because they knew they were financially sound. They were mentally safe as well because they didn't have the stresses and pressures. And then we worked on a local program called Gimpy Now, so Get PM Mentorship Program again, focusing on local youth because they also lost their jobs, right? And again, at home, there might be a lot of pressure, right? And a lot of stress and they're ready to move out from home. So we would actually help those youth, train them up and help them find a placement with a family here. So again, give them opportunity to live somewhere else, experience a different lifestyle and do that without actually having any funds. So that was a big success. But in saying that wasn't easy. It was a roller coaster month on month. It's still hard to explain to my accountant what our journey looks like, I'm like, every month, this is a very different story. So I can tell you what happened there. And then obviously lockdowns were really hard, but we, we always managed to place the OPS in between. And, you know, the families were quite happy that they're ready for the next lockdown. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. You were just saying that about, you know, there were plenty of times where you were ugly crying. <laughs> which I'm sure we could all relate to. What was something that you sort of used to keep going? Like, who do you turn to? What are some practices that you do within your own, you know, sort of life to help bring you back to why you're doing what you're doing? Well, I think the biggest support again comes 
from the people closest to you. I know that my husband is an absolute trooper and supporter of me. He will always go out and tell the people what amazing things I'm doing. I'm like, really? You're talking about me? And same thing, even like my mom and my mom-in-law, like all the families, every time I actually dare to complain and whinge about what I'm doing, they're like, oh, is that really a problem? Just do this and this. You Just keep on doing it. Just do it. Which is really good in moments where you really want to give up and my hubby like, don't worry about the money. Just keep going, keep going, do it, uh, work it out. And every time a customer would call and have a complaint or somebody has an issue and he's like, oh, just solve the problem, right? I'm like, is that how it works? He's like, yeah, that's your job, right? You solve the problem. I'm like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden it doesn't become an issue. Also a big one were lots of um, network communities and online communities at the time with people I had connections before. And it's the same thing. Just again, once you're actually ready to admit that it's an issue yeah, and you're struggling, you'll actually get a lot of support of people at sharing their stories of how they've done it. Even just giving you like, you know what, it's okay. You know, it's okay. Take a few days off. It's okay to feel crap. And then you realize actually it's not that bad, right? So, and then after a few days, you get back into business and continue doing what you're doing. Yeah. It's support systems are so, so important. And I think having people around you who understand what it's like to be running a small business as well can be quite helpful. Shout out to all the husbands, boyfriends, wives, girlfriends, everyone out there who talks about us when we're not in the room and cheers us on and things like that. But I definitely find for myself anyway, that having people that understand sort of what the process of having a small business is, because it's really a world unto its own. Oh, I agree. And I think being part of some networks where you feel like you belong is so important because I'm a total nerd when it comes to business. I love talking about business. I'm like, oh my God, how did you tweak this part of the, how did you automate this email? How do you get people to sign online? And all of a sudden I can have a one hour debate with someone doing this. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm such a geek. But at the same time, most of our friends who work in corporate, like myself earlier, they don't want to talk work after hours. They want to talk holidays and barbecues and, you know, which soccer clubs the kids are going to join, which is all great. Right. But for me, like it's a big part of me. And I think it's so important to have people who share that passion as well. Now, I've just realized that we've just sort of dove in and we're talking about OPS and do we want to do a quick recap of what a natural au pair is for people who might be listening that might not actually know because it isn't a very common service in Australia? Still fairly unknown. Mm. I think Peter Dutton has done a great job explaining what an au pair should not be a couple of years back. So it was like all over the papers a few years back. So au pairs usually come from overseas. So your typical profile is, you know, European girl. I mean, there are some boys among them, but still mainly girls. They graduate school, they want to go overseas before they begin their studies. They're keen to improve their language skills, experience a different culture, and again, really be independent. Yeah, so that's the big gap here experience. In Australia, they would come on a working holiday visa usually. So there's a bunch of countries that can apply for that. And yeah, so they live with the family. So part of the family, I always explain to families, imagine it's your husband's niece. Last time you saw her was at your wedding. She was a little flower girl. Now she grew up and she's like, she wants to get out of home for a while. So you know of her, right? You met her once, but actually you don't know her, but you have a relationship, you have a responsibility for her, right? Get, figure her out, get her head straight, right? And allow her to have a bit of life. And um, so they live with the family, they do most of the activities together. So you have dinner together, you'll go together for a barbecue on the weekend. 
Um, if you do a weekend getaway to your holiday home, you would offer her to join. But after a while, she'll find her own friends. She'll be like, yeah, no, thanks. I think I've seen enough of you guys, And which is, which is only fair, right? So she's part of the family, but she's also her own adult or he. And au pairs, I would almost compare them to Facebook, yeah? Early 2000, you didn't know you needed it. But once you have, you can't live without it. So families who do have au pairs and have a great first experience, will have au pairs for at least seven years until their kids are out of primary school because that's the busiest time when you have, you know, your second child, third child, and all of a sudden once at school, once at kinder, once at childcare, and the juggle is insane. That's when you need an extra pair of hands, somebody who's happy to do all the runarounds, the drive arounds, take the kids to activity, jump with them on the trampoline for half an hour. Imagine that as a mom, yeah? And um, of course, there's the odd, you know, lockdown, isolation, homeschooling and everything in between, because let's be honest, shit hits the fan every single day in different forms. And you always need to have a backup, right? Just one kid needs to have a runny nose, childcare won't take them. Who do you leave them with, right? Usually it's the moms who have to drop everything. Yeah. And once you get to a stage in your career where you're managing teams and you have bigger responsibilities, you can't just drop out every now and then, right? You just need to have the backup. So that's what au pairs do. And would you say that there's sort of benefits having an au pair as opposed to childcare, sort of that aren't the obvious benefits? I wouldn't say they're really in competition. They're very different things. So people mm-hmm. have au pairs to fill the gaps mainly, right? So they would still send their kids to childcare. Obviously, they would still send their kids to school always. It's mandatory anyways. But I think it's more to fill the gaps and have another backup because, you know, our networks are quite fragile these days. We don't have grandparents sitting there waiting, yeah? And I think the benefit is that the kids will get attention one-on-one. They have a big brother and sister. Um, a lot of families value the cultural exchange and experience Again, if they one partner is from France, they will really like it if the au pair speaks French because the kids have more exposure, right? And share a bit more of that culture. Again, au pairs will not only look after kids, they will help you pick up everything that kids create, all the messes, you know, the Lego minefields um, that are on carpets, the endless uh, laundry for kids, or, you know, the toys they never want to clean up or even just making up snacks. So again, if it's first time mom, she needs an extra pair of hands to pack those bags and sterilize the bottles, right? If it's second time mom, she just needs one kid to be watched so she can be on Zooms and they don't constantly run, roll in and say, mom, I want to print out or wipe my bottom, whatever that is. So again, different benefits. Au pairs are not professionals. That's one clear thing. They would have informal experience looking after kids. So they might be the oldest of four. They might have been uh, babysitting the neighbor's kids for two years or been swim instructor for two years, similar. But they will not be able to just walk into your home and take over I'd always explain to our host families, imagine they're an intern, they know nothing, yeah? Even if they say they know everything, they know nothing. So as good as you take the time to work them in and show this, this is how we stack the dishwasher because if she's from South Korea, they don't have dishwasher. How, how would she know how you want your knives stacked properly, right? Again, uh, we all have our ways of doing things and organizing things and packing and unpacking things. So again, just take your time to explain, to work someone in. As managers, we should all be able to do that. Give instant feedback, give positive feedback, 
and again, just understand very quickly how people prefer to get feedback, right? And show an appreciation because you go from the first interview into living together. It's quite fast, right? We don't recommend that to anyone else. So again, it's just really important to understand that they're not professionals. They'll always be helping hand. And if you take the time to, again, show them everything, and I usually say, this is our standard. This is where we are now. This is what you see. And you are here to help us close the gap, right? And if you actually look at it this way, then you know what your role is as a horse parent as well. I mean, I'm not a parent, but I can see what kind of an impact this service would provide for, you know, parents who are working full-time, juggling multiple children, you know, out school activities, things like that. I can't even imagine you know, everything that goes into it. And they do say it takes a village. So I guess this is just sort of a way to bring someone else into your village to support your sort of your processes at home and filling the gap. I love that terminology you use around that. So do you still currently have an au pair yourself or? Yes, yes, we do. Uh, as soon as the borders open, we're like, okay, we are going to scoop up somebody. Our uh, current au pair is from Italy. Um, He is from Milan, so we have a boy. um, And uh, he loves soccer and he loves cooking. So he teaches us proper Italian cooking, not how we do it. We think we know it. And, um, yeah, so he's already been uh, doing hours on the trampoline and um, getting the kids gently flogging them through their online homework, (laughs) which are like, oh, I don't have to do this. I'm like, this is not what your mom told me. So it's really good. So it was really good. We took him to the beach. He says we have the best sunsets in the world. And uh, he's fantastic. So uh, my daughter already picking up mannerism and says, well, if Ali is very happy, he does this with three fingers. <laughs> so as you can see, it, uh, it, it does have quickly have an effect. I do, I do like have to have boys in particular lately, um, just because, again, just wanting to show on how we live is that caring for children and keeping the kitchen clean is not a general, right? It's a skill that everybody needs to learn. And I want to make sure that the kids, our kids also see that everybody is responsible, right? It's not mom's job. My kids never ask me to cook. (laughs) They know I'm I'm useless at this. But I think it's important to, again, for us as parents as well, to accept more men in these roles because all of a sudden we expect our husbands to do everything, but like they've never seen it happen, right? So in their mind, it's not top of mind, right? So they have to learn that skill as well. Oh, I think that's incredible. And I think there is, yeah, an expectation that it is, you know, the woman who takes the time off work and keeps house and children and things like that. And it is shifting, but I think having, you know, role models and representation of men doing that in children's lives is extremely important. Now, I know that you've recently partnered with a charity as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we've recently officially partnered with the charity. So I first time heard about them about seven years ago. So my husband is from India, so we would obviously frequently travel to Bhopal. And um, I was looking for some charities to partner with just in general, just wanting to give back. And I came across this one charity and they said, hey, there's actually a Melbourne couple in Australia who are helping us raise funds to build a school. So this charity is called Muskan and they have for the last 20 years, they have been offering alternative schooling for uh, slum children or Basi, how they call them, because they're usually at risk of dropping out of school very quickly if they even get to go there. Because first of all, um, they have to go trash picking, which is again, collecting rubbish yeah, in the neighborhood. 
or they drop out because um, they need to look after the younger children, which often means if they drop off for too long, um, they're having a hard time to get back into school and there's a lot of stigma as well, being slum kid dragging, you know, the, the school's reputation down. So what the school has eventually done under a lot of pressure from that Melbourne couple <laughs> and to say, you know what, you should actually buy land. They're like, oh, that's, that's unbelievable. Um, so they kept nagging them and eventually they started a project of raising funds to buy land and I entered the project when they were raising funds to build the school. So they've built a two-story school, which is a boarding school, offering children education. They focus a lot on girls. Again, just if the girls getting a lot of pressure from the family, getting married. So as soon as like they're 13, 14 years old, right, the, the pressure starts to build, you know, you, you need to go. Sometimes choose to go to the school and stay there. So they don't have the nagging every day. And sometimes they're able to extend their schooling until they're 15, 16, 17, and then start learning a trade. And it allows them to earn money and then already have a completely different standing in the community and say, you know what, I don't want to get married or I choose my husband myself, right? Or at least have some say in it. So we've partnered now officially with the charity. I think there's a couple of tax and government regulation about us giving them money directly. But what they're really looking for is some projects where we can go for a few weeks and teach the kids some skills, whether it's theater, crafts, practical skills, computing, anything. So this will be our this year's project. So maybe some of the OPS want to come along or some of the families want to come along for a few weeks and share their skills. So this is what we'll be doing and this will be our investment into future generation. Also, as soon as the regulation, the financial regulations are sorted, we will also donate 10% of our profits to the charity. That's incredible. I find this is something that a lot of smaller businesses are doing nowadays is that we sort of giving back a lot considering our size and, you know, what we can accomplish as, as smaller businesses. But it's something that a lot of people are doing. We've sort of shifted the belief that you have to have a lot to give a lot. Anytime anyone is working alongside a charity, I just, I think it's such an amazing opportunity to sort of, you know, share that information. We'll make sure that we link all of the details about the charity and all the work that you guys are doing as well in the description so that people can find out more about it. I think the more exposure we can give to them as well, for them again, just spreading the word. Yeah, incredible. I'm going to dive into our unrapid, rapid fire questions because I I think you're going to have some good answers to these. (laughs) So the first one is what is a fundamental value that you've woven throughout everything that you do and why is it important to you? I think caring. Yeah. So again, it doesn't matter whether it's a family or the au pairs. We really care about what they want and what they need. And we try to create it for them. Uh, For family, it usually means quality time. Um, If they get those three extra hours and they don't have to log off to pick up the kids and uh, do dinner and whatnot chores, they can actually take the time in the evening and uh, read a book with the kids. Yeah, something that is important to them rather than rushing and just doing chores. So, again, really caring. And that's caring for the current generation and caring for the next generation. What sets you apart? Value. Always uh, making sure we over-deliver right? And even if there's any issues ever coming up, we'll always find a way, we'll always find a solution. 
I think one example was probably COVID lockdown. We realized that everybody was getting a bit on edge and it's really hard to live with people in a small space. So we would um, then have regular Zoom meetings. We would send regular emails to families and say, stop whatever you're doing and all go and have a pillow fight, right? Or we would just say, hey, guys, figure out what your love languages are, right? So just, again, um, help people to realign how they, you know, show appreciation. Sometimes you would be giving lots of gifts to your pair. And actually what she wants to hear is that she's doing a great job and having a big hug, right? Uh, Because maybe she's missing family and she's missing a good hug. So, again, just always thinking how can we do things better? It's continuous improvement and offering value there. I was going to ask at the start, when you decided to start this sort of venture, was there anyone else in the market that was doing it? Did you come up against a lot of competition or? Yes. Uh, So there are other agencies out there. Pretty much all of them, at least from what I know, stopped operating during COVID. So we were the only one I know of that kept on going and kept on placing. We just kept on finding, refining, and still being able to find people, being creative and where we find them, how we advertise it. And uh, now we're probably one of the more expensive ones because we have that extra experience. And now the agencies are coming back from overseas and wanting to work with us. And I think the Google reviews speak for themselves. Like we've always made sure that everyone is happy even if placements don't work out, we still make sure that everyone separates in a really positive manner and don't burn bridges. And it happened that actually the OPA went back because, you know, they realized grass is not green on the other side and the family realized they actually missed the extra help. So it's all about, again, lasting relationships and looking after each other, right? Having the empathy despite COVID and stress. What is your go-to remedy when you're having an off day? Oh my goodness, I just tried to get away from everybody for their own safety. It's usually once a month. And my husband's like, I think I'm, 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 I'm in danger today. I'm like, yeah, you might be. I think again, just having a hot shower, just, you know, trying to get it out, going for a long walk. I'm too lazy for a run at the moment. Hitting the gym sometimes is just, again, having a personal trainer flog you through a training is way more worth than uh, me trying to do it on my own. I will never do it. No, I totally understand that. (laughs) What would you say is the most important lesson that you've learned since you started your business? Tenacity and just resilience because business is hard at best. And uh, there's always another challenge waiting around the corner because I know now for sure our business will not be the same in five years. It will not be the same in one year. And it's very different to what it was two years ago. So I think just change is a constant and uh, challenging crises are part of your daily routine. I love that as well. My partner likes to say, when I say I can't do something, he says, can you not do it? Or you just don't know how to do it yet. It's looking at a situation and sometimes something will happen and it can just throw you into a tailspin. And then you just need someone to, you know, ground you back down and say, No, if you stop for a minute and think about this, you can solve this problem. Yes, I love it as well, because if you speak to someone again from a different angle, it's absolutely not a problem to them. They're like, oh, you just, why don't you do this and this? I'm like, at the moment, I just want to be, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And when when you're so, when you're so in it as well, it's so easy to put your blinkers on and just see it for the problem that it is, as opposed to an opportunity to change something, grow, make something better. So So what is the big dream? I think the big dream is, again, being able to help 
thousands of families, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're all going through this all over the world. The families are becoming more, I'd say, a nuclear, right? So it's mom, dad, or dad, dad, and kids. Um, there's not much support whether it, us having children very late and our parents are not that physically active anymore that they can jump on a trampoline or chase the kids to the park, or we just move away from family to do our jobs. And we always need help. Like that, again, that notion of the modern notion of a family, you have to do it yourself, is so wrong to me. You can never have enough help, even if I have calls to customers that say, always go for all the available free help out there. Mom, dad, grandma, neighbors, school friends, it doesn't matter. Whoever offers you help, take it, right? And then get the other support to fill all the gaps right and have backup to that as well so just you can never have enough people that's so good are you currently only servicing melbourne or are you nationwide all of australia it's just naturally because we're a melbourne-based business that's just how you know moms talk to each other you know during lunch break or wherever um, or tennis, it started again. <laughs> but yeah, we get we service all of Australia, and obviously we have plans to go international at some point. Just not ready to talk about yet. Amazing. What is a resource, tool, or system that you use in your business that you couldn't live without? I think absolutely the CRM system. So we've implemented it last year, and I really think I should have done it five years ago. Because it's the heart and the brain of the business, all the data is there, all the customers, all the history, we can just jump in and, you know, uh, watch an old video that we recorded or, you know, go through the notes and we, you get everything, right? You get the whole system. And I think as, as a customer and a user, what always annoys you when you call Telstra or somebody is they actually have no idea. I just talked to their department like yep. an hour ago and nobody has a clue and I have to share everything again. This is something I always want to avoid. It's all about saving someone time. So we know exactly when the last touch point was. Did we send them an SMS? Was it a message, email, uh, phone call, meeting, whatever that was? And again, just pick people up on their journey wherever they are and then take them to the next stop. Perfect. Yeah, I think uh, I think CRM systems are something that people don't think they need until they get to a certain point in their business but it can absolutely change everything. If you have it set up correctly from the very beginning, yeah, time, money, efficiency, energy, all of it. What is something that's happened in your business recently that you're proud of? Well, one thing that I'm proud of is just a culture of constant innovation, right? So if a minor thing goes wrong, I don't know, um, I don't know, we missed to respond or we missed to check in on something. And we'd always like, oh, okay, great. We missed that. How do we do it better next time? How we just take it up a notch and just make it part of the process? After every meeting, we would always ask for feedback. So we have in-depth interviews after every single placement. So we really understand And during each of those interviews with us three times, what can we do better, right, in different ways to get customers in a way to say, oh, actually, well, yeah, now that you're asking me again, I could do better. Uh, But I think the biggest achievement is probably our latest program we have developed for local youth. Because again, they all struggled as well, right? Um, They didn't have job opportunities. All of a sudden, you have a whole cohort of young people who don't drive because they never get their hours, right, to get their license. But they still want to get out in the world and experience things. So we've developed programs in particular for them. We partnered with lots of councils around Australia 
to educate them about these options. And we've placed quite a few last year already who are tracking, I think, past their nine months. Um, of placements and quite a few of them already extended to finish the year uh, with no end date. That's amazing. Did you want to speak a little bit more about that now as well? Because it is, it sounds like such an amazing initiative. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's a unique offering in the market. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard of anyone doing anything like that. There's lots of mentoring and things happening for young people, but I find also young people also sometimes want to get out of home and experience a different lifestyle, right? Because your family can only offer you what they know, but sometimes you might have bigger ambitions or sometimes you actually have no ambitions because there is nothing to be inspired by. So often, um, you know, they might have five younger siblings, right? They have plenty of experience looking after babies and kids. So we would place them. So if let's say um, uh, someone's interested in nursing, we would place them in a family where there's at least one doctor, right? As I mentioned earlier, or maybe they want to go into marketing. We place them with a family who run a marketing agency, right? Naturally, I'm yet to meet one single business owner who will not say, hey, Monique, are you interested to, you know, give me a comment on this website, Uh, better ideas? And an OPA would say, oh yeah, I'm really keen. They would never say, oh, sorry, no, we're, we're good, right? So there's plenty of opportunity. One of our um, student OPS who we placed in 2020, she's still with the family, she did a subject on recruitment. And her host mom said, well, we are recruiting 30 people at the moment. Do you want to take along and sit on the interviews and I'll take you through the whole process? And that was a very unique opportunity. You usually just don't get to see how a business operates, And it's a priceless experience, right? Because then you go home and talk over dinner tables, like, what did you like? What would you do differently? Or again, host parents kind of probing your peers as well. So, oh, you want to do this and this, but why would I hire you? You're not, you're like half of this and half of this. Like, why, why do you want to do this? And again, just giving that person more triggers to think why and how, and do you have what it takes? And almost in their daily life with the kids, again, they're like, oh, it requires organizational skills. Like, what do you have? Oh, I've packed the lunch boxes and I didn't miss the wipes and we had no accidents and no poo explosions. I think we're good, right? And just again, building that confidence that they can do things. So great opportunity. Um, lots of positive feedbacks from both families and au pairs because advantages, they speak English, right? Culturally, there's no no discrepancies there and they're available long-term. And we have quite a few who just wanted to finish their cert three and now saying, actually, you know what? I'm going to go study, right? Because my family thinks, my host family thinks I can do this, right? And then they continue on as a student and staying with the same family. So you have relationships over years instead of just months. I think it's interesting because when you talk about having an international au pair, you sort of think, oh, you know, the benefits are my children will be exposed to a different culture, potentially different languages, things like that, which is great for the the children and the host family. But in this situation, like you said, you know, for local people who have grown up, you know, surrounded by their own family, this is an opportunity for them to see a different, a different kind of lifestyle, you know, different family customs, different ways that families work together and things like that as well. So I think it's really amazing to see that go the opposite direction towards the au pair too. And then, yeah, giving local kids, you know, an opportunity to to move out of home, still be in a family environment, though. So there's still that sort of safety aspect and things like that, but learn some new skills and have different opportunities. I think it's... 
And, and it's again, it, it, it works very much in line with our values of inspiring the next generation, right? If we can give someone an idea and a push to do something different and aim higher, right? And dream bigger and actually work towards career, right? Instead of just thinking about it. In the process of it, they gain hundreds of hours of experience of all ages and all emotional roller coasters of a toddler and a three-year-old and a five-year-old and uh, sometimes even the adults. Yeah, no, I think that's incredible. We'll make sure that all of the information is also everywhere so that people can find it. So what is a hot tip about your industry that people might not know? I think it is more popular than people think because... Um, again, uh, within the au pair community, the families who have hosted au pairs, they will host au pairs as their preference. Again, they might not replace childcare, but they will always have au pairs just because it's very convenient. They have lots of flexibility and most importantly, sanity, right? I have very close friends who have had au pairs for probably the last six years now. And they, they absolutely swear by it. They say if they would do it over every single time, they would get an au pair again because it's just made such a difference to their lives. But then also their children as well. They've got to experience so many different things. So there's the hot tip for everybody. Look into hiring an au pair. <laughs> what is one piece of advice you'd give to someone listening right now who's thinking about starting a business or at the very beginning of their business journey? You won't know until you do it. So mm. just get started, do it because it's going to be very different to what you envision in your head. And until you do it, you can't see all the curveballs that are coming your way. So get started and yeah, brace yourself. Embrace yourself. That's a, a good piece of advice. I think that's very true. Things happen so unexpectedly in business and it's yeah, very much about having that support system around you and being prepared to to pivot and change and adapt as you need to. So I think that's great advice. Is there anything you want to add in terms of what you do, your journey, your lessons, anything at all? I think again, hosting your peers and running the OPA business has taught me to I'm a quite a stress head. It's taught me to chill, right? So in a way, and um, in life in general, I was with au pairs because when you host so many different people, you very quickly realize what's important and what's not important. We sometimes really get, you know, stuck into really minor things and all of a sudden we blow it up into something significant. So I'd always recommend families, anyone, applies to non-families as well. It's like, just think of it in five years, right? If this situation would bother you in five years, then it's important, right? Then obviously you need to address it, you need to correct it, et cetera. If it doesn't, you might not even remember that it happened, then laugh it off and move on, right? Just like, oh, well, I had one moment where our au pair was too busy to play with our toddler and she was, um, we, we used to boil the bottles, right? <laughs> basic that way. And she uh, boiled the bottles down and melted them into one block. Yeah, <laughs> so... So obviously she called me and said, oh my God, I just like melted all the bottles. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. So is the house standing? She's like, yeah, you and the baby safe? She's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, well then pack him up, go to the supermarket, buy new bottles. And then we had a big laugh about it, right? We still laugh about it. And it's just really just learn to chill and don't take things too seriously because relationship is way more important than, you know, the minor things. That's probably one advice I'd give to everyone. 
It is good advice. I also think staying focused on the things that you can control and things that you can't control. We so often get caught up in in situations and if it's completely out of your control, let it go. Move on. Amazing. That is my rapid fire questions. Where can everybody find you if they would like to learn more about hiring an au pair, becoming an au pair, just any more information about you and your services? I'd say just Google us, you know, read up on the reviews, uh, follow us on Instagram, again, 19 and OPS, um, check out the website and just, you know, ping us any channel. We obviously check everything daily, just message us and let's have a chat and happy to, again, just review everyone's situations and give you the best tip because OPS might not always be the solution. Like if you want to walk around how at home um, in the nude or in your undies, uh, maybe not a great choice because you might have to give that up, but <laughs> all options are great as long as they work for you and we can obviously help and assess that. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you and hearing a little bit more about your journey and how incredible repairs are. I didn't realize how much of an impact that they can have on families. So I love being here. Thank you so much, Sean, for inviting me. Have a great day. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to share your own story or tell us what you think of this one, feel free to head over to Instagram and slide into my DMs. By the way, you're not going to want to miss next week's episode. I know I say this every time, but seriously, my next guest is kick-ass.